Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Melanated Faith. We finally made it to April. It feels like March was the never-ending month. It might have accounted for all of 2020, but April is shaping up to probably feel the same way. So we will see. But here's the thing. This is the final episode of season one for Melanated Faith. Yeah, we made it. So we just want to thank you all for rocking with us and telling your friends and family about our podcast. Keep sharing and posting about Melanated Faith. Obviously, you're going to have plenty of time to catch up on all of our episodes while you're at home if you haven't already. So definitely do so. But for this last episode... We wanted to revisit some topics that we've covered this season, um, but also just through our new reality of social distancing and share some tips with you um, for how to navigate this season while you're at home. So that's what this episode is all about. So let's get into it. Yeah, I'm excited. So, okay, so first I thought we'd just do a fun um tell me don't check me and that is our segment where we just kind of rapid fire questions just to kind of get some maybe hot takes off so faith you're gonna go first um this is tell me don't check me the quarantine edition um first thing you're gonna do out of quarantine go to brunch with friends hardest thing about quarantine staying motivated or keeping your parents in i would say staying motivated okay first like travel trip out of quarantine somewhere where there is a beach at a resort okay dr anthony fauci or dr sanjay gupta dr fauci coffee time or wine time i would say coffee time because i miss the coffee shop atmosphere so bad i feel desperate at this point to just be in a coffee shop just the just the people the working the energy i just i miss that so much same Okay, well, that's my little five hot takes. Tell me, don't check me, people, about my choices. Now, Catherine, it is your turn. First thing out of quarantine. Oh, I kind of just feel like I want to hug somebody, which is so not like me, but just because I haven't been able to, I'm looking forward to that. Who are you? (laughs) What has quarantine (laughs) done to Catherine? (laughs) It's changing me so much. I feel like it would probably be hug someone um, or give someone a high five. And then the second thing would probably be go to a coffee shop because like I'm, I'm like dying. I hate not being able to go to my local coffee shop. Maybe I'll high five my, my high five. Maybe I'll high five my barista. (laughs) telling you people Catherine is a different person I don't know who I'm talking to I don't know where she went but (laughs) quarantine quarantine Catherine we're gonna see a whole new person by the end of this (laughs) yeah well we're gonna talk about it later because I have some things that will probably change okay so hardest thing about quarantine staying motivated or keeping your parents in keeping my parents in the the Freemans are just on some other you know, I feel like my dad is being pretty decent about it. My mom, it's it's hard for her. Um, and my dad, it's kind of funny. We had like a family um, Zoom call the other day and he was so eager to tell us that my mom was still going to the grocery store. So it was kind of <laughs> cute that he's like, he snitches on her on a regular basis. But yeah, that's been the hardest thing is keeping my parents in. First trip out of quarantine. Um... So I'm not normally a beach person. I mean, yeah, I, I want to do something outside. So I would say beach because I'm not a hiker. So I, I would like to go somewhere and lay on a beach. That's a good one. Okay. Dr. Anthony Fauci or Dr. Sanjay Gupta? This is hard 
I'm gonna give it to Anthony Fauci just because I, f- I feel like he's enduring more to do his job. Yes, yes, he is. <laughs> okay, coffee time or wine time? I'm gonna say wine time, even though I mainly drink cider and margaritas, but I'm a big fan of the quarantine happy hour. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. I agree with you there. These are our tell me, don't check me. Yeah. Okay, so Faith, you are the self-care queen expert. Um, Obviously, some of that is just, we had an episode we talked about self-care, but I just, I feel like that's changed. And so I've had to think about new ways of doing self-care. So I'm just wondering from you, like, how are you doing self-care when you are literally stuck in the house? Yeah, so that has been really interesting and a turn of events for me. So obviously, as we talked about before, self-care is not just about hair and nails and all the little like other things that you can do. But let me just tell you, I like getting my hair done. I like getting my nails done. I like getting my eyebrows threaded. And those are just things that like I like to do for me. Everyone is different. I'm not really a makeup girl, so I don't spend a lot of money on makeup or buy makeup kind of stuff very much. I mostly just wear lip gloss and um, stuff like that. So for me... Not being able to get my toenails done or my eyebrows started. I feel a little bit uh, raggedy right now. I'm not even going to lie. So for me, I've mainly been doing a lot of, like, emotional self-care. And that has been something that I've just had to do. I'm going to tell you, there's a journal entry page in my journal that doesn't have many lines on it. And it kind of goes like this. Today sucks. This sucks. Coronavirus Oh, wow. I had a really bad day. Um, My friend died today. Okay. And it just like, it's like one liners of like, this is not great. But that has been really healthy for me to be able to get that out. Also, checking in with friends, whether that's us doing like Zoom happy hour calls, like Catherine, we did one with Lindsay and um, other friends. That's been a lot of fun. But also I've just texted friends just checking in. How are we doing today? How how are you doing emotionally? And there's just some days where I've just not been doing well. And so it seems like thankfully friends and I are on opposite schedules for not doing well. So then like I can be an encouragement maybe when they're not in a good spot and stuff like that. So that's been really helpful and healthy to be able to do that. And I think the thing that I've given myself permission to do is I can pray, I can listen to my worship music, I can read the word, but at the same time, like, I can be honest about how I'm feeling. I think there's something that we in church need to do a better job at is just letting people feel what they feel. It doesn't mean that prayer isn't working. It doesn't mean that if you're not worshiping or doing something like that, you're not doing it all right. We are human beings. We are not um, supernatural. And we like we came from this earth. This, this is a broken world, a broken earth, which means we're broken people. And we will have hurt and pain um, and trials. But what I one thing that has kept me grounded, self-care, the number one thing that's kept me grounded is something that my friend wrote. And a reminder in God's word is that whenever I feel moments of being anxious, uh, my friend Lindsay Bandy uh, Blodgett said this, I listened for the birds. And when I tell you, I have done that so many times listening for the birds because I know if God is caring for them, he's caring for me. All is not lost. There is still hope. And so that's where my self-care has been. 
I listen for the birds. I know that he is there. I know that he is with me. But last week when my close friend died from growing up, I was sad. I was in my bed a few days. Like um, there were some times I was working, but then I would just like lay in my bed and I cried some and I was human and I let myself have that space. And I think that that's caring for yourself is how do I feel? Assess what that looks like and take your day from there. Yeah, no, I think that's so great. I read this article um, that was in the Harvard Business Review, and I'll link it in the show notes if you haven't seen it. Um, But they interviewed a grief counselor, someone who's written a bunch of books and studied grief a lot. And when I tell you that article was so helpful for me, because he basically said, like, what what we're feeling right now, this sort of, you know, this sort of um, uncertainty and the fact that life has radically changed in the matter of a few weeks is grief. And that part of the process is grief. One grief is a process, right? Like there are five stages. Well, I guess he is in his new book is going to say six, the last stage being that whatever you went through mattered or had some um, larger meaning. And he, you know, so it's like anger, grief, denial, acceptance, um, but that he talked about like that you don't move necessarily linear. It's your processing grief is not always linear, but then also too that you don't just move through the stages and then you get to the end. Like you might cycle back through. And I feel like to what you were saying, it, it was so helpful for me. And he, the other thing he said in that article is like, this is the first generation where we have feelings about our feelings. Right. So like he was like in previous generations, it's like, Oh, I'm sad. But he was like, what I see now is people are like, I'm sad and I shouldn't feel that way. So then I expend all this energy trying not to feel sad or, or whatever, because I tell myself I shouldn't have this feeling. And he basically talked about how detrimental that was. And, you know, he's like, if you're sad, be sad. And I just think too, like this whole idea, like Christians, I think all of us, what I realized through this is a lot of us, as much as we, you know, knock the prosperity gospel a lot of christians are functionally believing in that theology right like this idea that i only get good things from god and we maybe don't express it as obviously as sort of name it and claim it but in the ways in which we live our lives right we move quickly to the instagram pretty moments we move quickly to easter we don't want to revel in good friday or Maudi thursday like we don't want to spend time in that space and i just feel like you know, that's not biblical. Like most of the Psalms is lament. Like David just literally crying out to the Lord about injustice, about sadness, about whatever was going on in his family life. And like, we do have a model for that um, in scripture. And even Jesus had moments of like crying out to God, you know? And so, yeah, I think that's like a big important self-care thing that I've done is just allowing myself to feel however I'm feeling. And some days I'm like super productive and I'm like, oh, this is totally fine. And some days I'm like, this sucks. I hate it here. I hate it here. I hate these walls. I hate this house. Yeah. <laughs> and I hate, th- I hate this bed. I hate these clothes. <laughs> like, I'm sick of looking at my own face in the mirror. This is stupid. Um... But I will say, so like, I think allowing myself to feel my feelings and not try to get into analyzing how I should feel, I think, and I think related to that, like, you know, if you write the great American novel during this time, good for you. Good for you. I'm proud of you. That's awesome. But also, if you just sit and watch everything that's on Netflix, good for you. (laughs) Like, because sometimes I think we have this idea that like, when we go through difficult things, 
I think everything we go through matters, obviously, in the grand scheme of things. But sometimes I think we're grading ourselves on how we get through or we think God is grading us on how we get through when honestly the the victory is just getting through, right? And so I do think there are healthy ways to spend this time, but what's healthy for you might not produce some great work, you know? It might be what's healthy for you is like keeping your kids fed and clothed and your sanity, like maintaining your sanity or maintaining some sobriety or, you know, fleeing, you know, sexual sin. Like, and if that's all you do, sweetie, you're doing amazing. (laughs) So I just want to say that. And then I think some just like two practical things that have been really helpful for me is so I am a makeup girl. So um, doing my makeup when I'm in the mood too, I don't do it every day, but you know, just, it does help brighten my day. And then sitting outside, even if I can't go like on a full walk because of weather, it has been so fickle here in Austin, but just like sitting outside. Um, I love what you said about listening to the birds. Cause it's true. Like that is totally biblical in Matthew. It talks about, you know, looking at the birds of the air and the lilies of the field and see how God cares for them. And like, don't worry. Cause you matter so much more to God than those, those things. So yeah, sitting outside and listening to the birds. That's a good, that's a good tip. Yeah. I also think like the one thing that you were saying that brought this, thought back to me was I had mentioned to my mom how I feel like generations before us, um, several generations, even before her generation, like have actually experienced suffering, how our ancestors had to live through in order for us to be here. And I think that many of us have never experienced suffering and collective global type of pain or anguish or just hardship or trauma, things like that. And I think that because it is so collective and it's so many people all at once, it's affecting everybody differently. But I think that it will, in time, if people allow it to develop a resilience in us that we didn't have as a country before because our generation just hadn't gone through that. And one thing I was also (laughs) telling my mom, I was like, but we're not suffering, really, truly, in a lot of different ways. Like, we're in our house. You know what I mean? Like, we're not being beaten, things like that. Now, there are some people who are in domestic violence situations at home, which is really hard and tough. And my heart goes out to those people who are trying to still find a way of escape um, and children who are facing um, abuse at home and things like that. And so I don't want to like sugarcoat this and make a blanket statement that everyone is safe at home because home is not safe for everyone. Um, But I do want to say that in the sense that We aren't going through what many people before us had to go through for us to be here um, by being in our houses. And so I think that there's still something we can learn and glean from from the people who went before us and maintained hope in spite of great, grave difficulty, losing their lives, being killed, being threatened, being beaten, all these things. And if they can do it then— and I have to draw hope from being having to stay at my house. You know what I mean? I feel like if they can do it, I can now. Even though this is inconvenient, maybe it's frustrating, maybe I'm, you know, tired of, like you're saying, you're tired of being at home, you're tired of seeing the walls. Like, I was laying in my bed today, like, I, this is another day. It's another day, and there's, like, 30-plus more, and... I'm already seeing people cancel concerts in the summer, and I'm like, is the summer canceled now, too? I guess so. And so, you know, like, I I think I just was laying there like, wow, we're going to be here a while. I'm going to be in here a while. And it's just a lot to take in. 
It is a lot to take in. And I think one thing you said I thought that was so smart is, right, like, we're not actually being asked to sacrifice. I mean, it does feel like we are suffering and there's grieving. And, you know, there are some sacrifices. There are some conferences. You know, I had a fellowship I really wanted to do that got canceled because of the virus. Um, but, yeah, we're asked, we're being asked to stay safe at home. And then I think also what does it say about – the whole time you were talking, I was thinking what does it say about our generation – in that we're experiencing this as suffering and that some of us can not modify our behavior for the sake of the collective good. And I just think that as a country, the sort of hyper individual, like it has run amok. And I think that is part of why for some it feels like um, we're suffering and that, you know, this is so um, unjust or whatever, because we've never actually been asked to sacrifice anything for the greater good. Um, it is, we kind of drop in and drop out like based on our own personal preferences. Um, and it just reminds me, like I had a conversation with my pastor a few years ago when I was just, you know, being dramatic, but this is why you have older Christians in your life to tell you (laughs) that you're being dramatic. (laughs) But one of the things he said to me that it's always stuck with me is like that our generation, and he didn't mean it as as a criticism or something negative, because I think there are some positives about this too. And he expressed some positives about this mentality as we were having this conversation. But one of the things he said is like, your generation doesn't know how to endure, like things get uncomfortable Mm. and you just Mm -hmm. hop out of the situation. So you like leave the church, um, you leave the church, you complain about the pastor, you're, it's just never like a, like, okay, let me get in here and what can I do to like help or change the situation or, you know, whatever. It really is, we have, because we have so many options and so many choices and we're more, we're more educated, we're more mobile than previous generations. Being long suffering is a fruit of the spirit. And I just need to, and I think that's one of the things maybe this has brought up for me is like, I need to work on that. Like that is, you know, yeah, that is, I think that is something that God has like shown me as like a deficit is like, because you always had all these options, you just move to the next thing without really sitting in whatever Mm -hmm. the circumstance is. And so I think that's been a really good thing for me, but I would just say like as a challenge to our listeners, right? Like, um, I think it's okay to experience this as a hardship because it is, and I hate it, but also, (laughs) but to also think on the flip side of like this, you know, we're not being sent to war. Like I'm not going to have to get in a tank and like shoot anybody. I'm like safe at home. I, I am safe at home. I know that's lots of people's not story. Um, but for me and like reflecting on me and my experience, I am safe at home. I need to have a trying to change my mindset about how I experience it to the extent that I can (laughs) and move to that stage of grief. (laughs) Yeah. And I think the the healthy thing is, right, because everybody has a different perspective. So some people might listen to this and be like, okay, guys, but this is still awful. I lost my job, this and this and this. So I am suffering in many ways. And the truth is, yeah, you are. And many are financially suffering from this. And it's traumatizing because jobs and lives and families and things are hanging in the balance. And I think that that's a piece too. So I don't want people to hear this and think that we're just saying, okay, look at the bigger picture or or it's been worse. Um, It has been worse, but I think the key to what we're saying is, and what Catherine said, is endurance. We haven't really had to endure something like this collectively and especially globally, collectively, all together before. And 
This is something that we're having to develop a stamina for, and this is not a time for American exceptionalism. Exceptionalism does not keep you from getting the virus. The virus does not care if you are rich or poor. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, this is just something that we all have to endure, and we have to endure it together. So if, for me, when I was a kid and I didn't like something, I wanted to run away. I wanted to run away from it. I wanted to go somewhere else, and there's nowhere I can run. I mean, I can run around this 950 square feet, you know, but I can walk outside maybe, but there's nowhere else I can go. And so the the point is, is that we have to, regardless whether we want to or not, develop an endurance for this to the best of our ability. And enduring might mean some days you're crying and enduring it. You might feel the weight of the pain of this situation, the weight of the fact that you might not know how you're going to pay your bills, whatever that is, you We'll have to work through it and endure. We all are. We're all working through what that looks like for us. But there is and will always be a glimmer of hope in the midst of darkness. And so if you hear nothing else that we are saying, we are saying that even in this most trying time of anguish for us having to be in our houses, families with kids driving them crazy, marriages that might be feeling tense on the rocks or marriages that are now thriving and needed this time together, whatever that looks like. We will get through this because we are enduring together. And for the people who are hurting and in pain and in dangerous situations, we are on our knees for you. We are praying for you. We are believing God for your safety, for children's safety who are not in great home environments and praying for justice and the truth to prevail in the midst of troubling circumstances. And so I just think that we can and we will. And so... um, What is one thing, Catherine, um, that you are doing to maintain your sanity while at home? So one thing that has been helpful to me is like before this like started, um, I had had a conversation with my counselor um, and he one of the assignments that he gave me was keeping a gratitude journal. Um, And that was just like the perfect time if you've never done that. I mean. I've done it on and off, but I kind of gotten out of the practice of it. Um, Mm -hmm. I have found that to be so helpful because um, to just daily write down things that I'm grateful for, even as I'm experiencing Mm -hmm. the, the stress of the situation, because I think one of the things with my gratitude journal, and then I had, um, you know, an interview earlier this week where I had to reflect on my last decade. And my big takeaway from that experience is like, God has been so faithful, like in situations where I, situations I had gotten myself into (laughs) where, you know, what I was reaping was what I had sown, um, that God was gracious and good and faithful, even in the midst of that. And like having to write that out and, and name it, reminds me that if he did it before he will do it again um you know there's a psalm and i'm not gonna remember the exact um address of it um but basically it just talks about once i was young and now i'm old but i've never seen the righteous forsaken and i really think a gratitude journal for me has helped drive that point home like god has never forsaken me um and then i just wanted to say something really quick to what you were saying about people that are experiencing hardship um I want to encourage people to say those things out loud. Tell your friends and family, call your church, um, reach out to a counselor. A lot of, um, like I've seen 
and hopefully other states will jump on board with this, but like in New York, they've gotten a lot of mental health professionals to volunteer their time. So they have a hotline that you can call in and talk to people totally free of charge about just whatever your kind of emotional health, which I think is so smart that they've realized like emotional and mental health is a big part of combating this virus. But I just feel like so often people suffer in silence because they're afraid of being judged. Like they, especially people who thought they were middle class, right? Like you have given all the outward trappings that you're a middle class person and now you've lost your job or your hours have been cut or speaking engagements or whatever has fallen through. And so the thing is like um, to try to minimize what you're going through because it's not the same as like someone else or whatever. Um, Or there's a shame attached to that, that like you're not as financially secure as you thought you were. And I just feel like if I could say one thing, for other people trying to maintain your sanity, like, please don't feel like you have to do it alone. Like, we are, you know, social distancing, but we're not, like, totally, thanks to technology, like, we're not without ways to connect with people. And I just would just want to encourage anybody who's listening that is 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 really, really struggling, even if you're, you know, you feel like it's so small compared to what other people are going through, like, don't minimize, um, because it matters. It matters to God, and it matters to the people that love you, and so please, please feel empowered to, like, go and speak the thing that is slowly crushing you as you are social distancing. Yeah, and one thing that some friends um, I've seen post who um, have mental health issues have talked about and, like, said that this has been really hard um, to have to stay in the house, especially if you have depression or anxiety and things like that. And so the whole um, staying in type of a thing has also been detrimental for people's mental health who already were um, just dealing with a lot emotionally and a lot going on. And so I just think that we have to, like you're saying, Catherine, reach out like if you're not feeling well like reach out if you just need support I think that that is really key and I think we've gotten to a healthy place a more healthy place I would say in our country in terms of acknowledging our mental health and the importance of it and having a counselor or saying I you know I have clinical diagnosed depression and or I'm diagnosed with bipolar I you know I have diagnosed anxiety I take medication for it there's nothing wrong with those things and I don't think that there should be a stigma surrounding surrounding that and so I just think that if this is incredibly difficult please reach out like Catherine's saying because um I've seen so many different posts floating around of people who are messaging or saying something on Twitter saying, like, I have depression and this has been incredibly difficult for me and I'm really struggling. And so um, I just think it's important. You know, we, like you said, the one thing that came to my head, it sounds cheesy, but it's like we are socially distanced, but we don't have to be emotionally distanced. Yeah, And so I think that... um, We don't have to be far from each other in our caring for people. And so... We care and we want to know how you're doing. Um, I think for me, one thing I've been doing to maintain sanity has been just to connect online. So my friends and I the other night played on House Party, a game. So House Party is an app where you can play games in the app. And then also it's just like people are online at different times. So it started off with just me and my brother in House Party talking about something random and playing a game. Then our friend jumped in because anybody can just jump in if you're friends. Then our friend joins the video chat and is talking to us. Then another friend joins the video chat. And before you know it, it's like all of our friends that we've known for forever. And we all were on House Party playing this game 
for like five hours. And so it was a long, <laughs> really long time. But it was kind of like being with your people. And in normal life, we're too busy to talk the way that we've talked. We've talked more than we normally do because we're all so busy. And so I think that it's been so special for me to be able to connect with people. And so online connecting is just how I've been doing it, whether it's FaceTime, Zoom, whatever that looks like. That has really helped me to maintain my sanity while at home. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so we talked about self-care and um, mental health. And so now I want to kind of revisit our conversation about singleness and dating. Um, What does it look like to be sheltering in place when you're single? Are there some unique challenges or benefits? Listen, this is all I'm going to say. I need everybody to just lean in. Sis, this is your season. Shoot your <laughs> shot. Shoot your shot. The time is now. The time is now. Um, I'm like joking, but so serious. So here's the thing. I think that right now it's a great time to be single and shoot your shot because everybody is at home. So if you have online dated for any amount of time, I have been online dating for on and off for years now. And one of the things is, is when you are on Bumble or something, sometimes they don't message you back. That was my experience that I was having, which is why I didn't use Bumble for a while, because the guys just would not talk. And that was so annoying to me. But let me tell you, they're at their phones, okay? They're replying to messages. They're asking questions. Ladies, 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 if you've been nervous, if you've been confused, if you've been in anguish, if you've wanted somebody or you wanted to try online dating, do it now. Do it right now. Pick up the phone. Download the app. Don't be scared. Do it now. Anyways, so that's my PSA. Um, (laughs) Shoot your shot. It's your season. It is your time. The more you know. Um, Yeah, I'm going to say, like, I also, too, this have had my first online dating experience. Thanks to the coronavirus, I have been a hesitant. It's not because I'm scared. I just, I think I've always had, I think I've talked about this before, like, one way in my head that you, like, meet someone and it just, online dating never appeal to me but you know like Faith said I've had all this time on my hands so I've um, joined some apps and you know let me just say I have learned so much about the life of the American male I do not understand the bathroom selfie or the shirtless um, or tank top um, muscle pics and I'm sure there are girls out there that that's like appealing to but I just want to say like to the guys listeners if we have them um, and you're single and you're on an app please please just go outside and 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 you want to use pictures of like that someone else took of you like even if you have to crop out your friends also crop out your friends especially if they're female because it's like is this your sister is this your mother how do you know this woman (laughs) and why is she in your dating profile (laughs) so um those are some things I've learned I mean I think that one of the things I've seen is like you know I think it is harder to quarantine with small children I'm like my goddaughter is Um, going on five and I talked to her mom and it's just like wow you're amazing just however you're getting through with these more because you know like only her only one is school age so even is there at some point someone like only one child can like read or whatever the other three she has to entertain um 
And so I do think that maybe that might be a benefit, but I also think the idea that being quarantined and single is, is somehow better. I think it's just a different experience. I think, um, cause I do think there are some challenges. I do think maybe like the experience of like loneliness cause you are home by yourself and it's just you and your walls. Um, I, I will say being childless is probably better than having children <laughs> stuck at home all day just because they have to have someone else entertain them. Like it's hard, especially if they're younger. Um, but I wouldn't say overall it's like necessarily better. I think it's just different. So I think maybe just respecting the difference and not like minimizing and saying, oh, you guys have it so easy because you're by yourself. Because I would, that is not how I'm necessarily experiencing it. Yeah. That'd be my thought on that. But yeah, I, I, I second faith on the online dating thing. And even if you're not like, don't meet your husband or whatever, like it's, you know, great way to connect with people, meet new people, put yourself out there. And, and you could have your own sort of quasi like love is blind experience, right? Cause they're so responsive. You're just getting to have like hours and hours of like conversation without like the pressure to like meet. And so, yeah, like maybe open yourself up to trying something new. I think that trying something new is super um, healthy. And, you know, if you don't like it, don't do it. That's fine. For me, cooking has been my biggest. I guess I should have said this in self-care because I feel like it's been my biggest, one of my biggest ways of self-caring for myself, um, being home, is cooking and trying new things. I don't like to eat the same thing over and over again. So I try to buy a variety so that way I can eat a variety of different things. And so... That's been a lot of fun experimenting with things. I've tried new recipes. I've tried, you know, different ways of making stuff and it kills time. So I've been looking forward to it because it's like, great, I'm going to spend two or three hours cooking tonight to make this meal. And that's going to make my day go by a little faster because I cooked dinner tonight for a few hours. (laughs) So if you can see my face right now, two or three hours cooking. (laughs) Yeah. Like if you want to. Yeah, if you want to get it wow. the way you want it to be. But I will say, you know, if you guys do not follow Faith on Instagram, she does post her dinner and her lunches on Instagram, and they do be looking good. But sweet, I, I this is a two or three hour. I just, ugh, that, just the anxiety. <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like it's like two or three hours with like, I like to clean up. So like by the time I clean up before I eat, something like that. But usually, yeah, maybe uh, two hours, depending on what I'm making. So, I mean, if I'm making like my all-star breakfast that I made to copy, um, Waffle House, that took a while. Um, that definitely took a minute, but it was very rewarding to eat at the end. So I just think you have to, I don't know. I, I asked God a while ago to help me like cooking more and I've been loving it ever since. So I think that, that has helped me. I do think, I mean, I think in terms of how you know, we'll get into this more later, but I do think that's the, been a big change for me with coronaviruses. Cause like, I'm a, like, I don't really enjoy cooking. Like I'm a quick meal kind of girl. Um, but it's like, why am I rushing? I don't have anywhere to be. Um, I have learned a new longer way to make ramen, which is like one of my favorite foods. Um, that is like delicious. And I probably will never go back to the old way of making it, even though it's faster. So yeah, I, yeah, but two or three hours still. So it's like a really long time. <laughs> But I'm, 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 gl- I'm happy for you. You know, you got to find this joy in this moment wherever you can get it. So if it's in your kitchen, do you, boo. You know, just I'm just trying to find the bright sides where I can. And that's that's one of them.
we kind of talked about this a little bit. Have you learned anything new about yourself? What do you feel like God has been teaching you in this season that you don't feel like you could have learned without this experience? I will say I was actually, I had said this to my mom. My mom has been um, here with me. She was actually supposed to be moving, but um, she's here because all the stuff changed with coronavirus. So one thing that I had mentioned was that I was feeling like I was getting to the point of burnout pre this. I just been going, 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 going. And we kind of were just talking about like my life and schedule. And so I was basically assessed that this is the longest I have been home consecutively since June of 2019. And I, and I was just like, you know what? I really needed this. Like, I really needed this. Like, no breaks, like no breaks in going anywhere, really. So that's been really interesting for me, I would say, being in one place this long. So yeah, I think I needed the rest. And so I'm at, I'm obviously like in my head, I'm like packing my bags. I'm ready to go somewhere else. Um, <laughs> I actually literally thought to myself last week, I need to pack my bags for my trip. That was a real thought. And then I had to remind myself that all of my trips have been canceled and I'm not going anywhere. So I think that <laughs> I think for me, this forced stillness has been like replenishing and like a watering for my soul in a way that I didn't realize how bad I needed it and just feeling energized in a, in a way. Now, that's shown up differently with work because it's kind of hard to work during a pandemic in a way, to be honest, just knowing about the chaos going on around. But there has been a, like, I feel rested. That's the best way to say it. I feel rested in a way that I haven't before. And I think that's been a gift. And also, I would just say that Man, I just feel like God's allowed me to see the beauty in community. Um, so many people, whether it's like people posting on Facebook saying drop your Venmo or your Cash App and things like that. And I just think that I've seen during this time how important it is to be generous in whatever way you can be. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be, you know, somebody that has a bunch of money. You could just be giving out $5 to people. But be generous with what you have in whatever way that you can. One guy did that on his status, and I just started giving what I could to strangers. I didn't even know who these people were, but they had needs. And I just think that I have seen that during this time so much all around, and it reminds me how there is still good in humanity and in people, and that generosity and giving what you have is so special, and we can't lose sight of that. And so even when this is over, I want to make sure that I continue to do that and see that in people and meet needs however I can, no matter how small they are, um, what I can do because it's so important and it's so special. So I would say rest and generosity are my things. That's good. Yeah, I would say mine are just, um, I think the intentionality that comes with community. I think some so many times like we think... Um, you know, you just see people in your day-to-day life, whether it's your coworkers or like your friends or whatever. And it's like, you think, I think I, you kind of can take that for granted. Like, oh, it just happens because I see you like, hey, we should go get coffee or whatever. And then when you strip that away, do you still have the same level of intentionality about reaching out to people and 
and seeing them and so yeah I just feel like God has just has taught me through this like that I need to be intentional about maintaining and cultivating relationships um I've had the opportunity just to connect with some girls that we went to law school together and we were just like we called ourselves the Texas law crew and we went on trips and whatever and we were always together when we were in law school um in Austin and you know that has been I mean gosh now it's like 12 years which is crazy um but you know people were dispersed across the country now and people have kids and so we had like a zoom face call facetime call zoom conference call whatever um and it was just so great to like see them and to see their kids who you know were like popping on to say hi and like um to tell us jokes and it just was like so sweet and I was like you know these women still are very important to me and so um you know the intentionality that comes with like maintaining relationships um and I think this is you know yeah, so I think that's one thing. And then I thought, you know, was really funny is, so as most of you guys know, I'm in seminary. The seminary that I go to is not in the same town um, that I live in. So I have been for the last year going back and forth between Austin and Waco, which is, it's about an hour and a half drive. Um, and I had just gotten to the point, like, kind of towards the beginning of the semester, like not even that far into the semester where I just was like tired of it and not um, like I have a great friend that I stay with in Waco who has been fabulous and um, that time was just really sweet and I'm really grateful for it. But I think that I needed this period to like grieve and be grateful for all the things that I have learned in Austin. And I think God was preparing me to like be here, but be prepared to say goodbye to this place. And so um, that I'm really grateful for. And it's, it's been great. So yeah, I definitely feel like I probably, one of the big things I learned, I told my sister this yesterday is I am an introvert, but I think I really am just go wherever I want when I want (laughs) vert. And I cannot do that. And so, um, so maybe I'm not a true introvert. Maybe I never was. I just was like, I want to be where I want to be, which is such an eight thing. It's very um, eight. Very eight. So it's just like, I want to leave. I'm leaving. But, um, but yeah, so I do think it has made me value friendships and human connection much, much more. And I, I don't think I would have learned that without this. Yeah. I feel like I've just, I've seen, not that you asked me, but I mean, I just feel like I see, like, I've seen like a, like a new level of like tenderness in you. I feel like that yeah. I haven't seen before. And I think that, um, it's really cool because life is busy and it does go by fast and time does fly by, but truly connecting, it has been one of my favorite things. I'm not going to lie. There has been friends that they've been trying to reach me or talk to me and I've just been like on the go, on the go, on the go, on the plane, gone, just landed, kind of texting you, not really texting you. And I have talked to my close friends so much, so much, and it's just been so special and worth it. So if anything, that is, yeah, something I'm grateful for. Yeah, it's so funny that you say that about tenderness because I, I think I would agree because I think part of it is there is, for the foreseeable future, no way out of this. Like the only way, like viruses can't, until there's a vaccine created truly, you know, you can treat the symptoms of a virus, but it's not like a cold or like a sinus infection, which you can just give an antibiotic and it like goes away. And there's no, you know, and I don't say this, is like hopelessness. I think I, I think I have come to a place where I say it hopefully is that at this moment, there's no way out of this. And I, I think I have gotten to a place in my own grieving process, which, you know, tomorrow I could feel differently, but today how I feel is, um, 
how am I going to endure this? And like, what are the things that I want to get out of this? And yeah, it's very hard for AIDS to be tender. Um, cause I think part of the eightness is just like protecting that. And I think I have learned that like, who was that actually benefiting? And cause I don't, I don't think it was benefiting me and I definitely don't think it was benefiting me in all of my relationships and friendships. And so, um, yeah, I think I'm more comfortable, I think, with the tender side of being an eight through this process. Yeah. And we eights are tender. We are truly <laughs> tender. Okay. We, we just might, might be the not. most sensitive. I think eights might be the most sensitive. And I think the aggressive, like, part, we are, um, I think, very empathetic towards other people. So I think that's what the aggressiveness and, like, I think eights make great um, injustice fighters for that reason um, because of our tenderness and empathy. Yes, yes. We get a bad rap sometimes, but I really think that we're really great and tender people with just a lot of a lot of heart, right? We just, like you said, Catherine, we want to break out. Sometimes we just want to do what we want to do and go where we want to go. Um, <laughs> so. yeah, I, yeah, I think that's, I mean, I think that's a big thing is like, I just always want to do what I want to do. <laughs> and sometimes that well, a lot of times it's just selfishness, which, you know, the Lord's working on me. But, um, okay, so I'm going to, do you have something you want to say that you're grateful for in this time that you haven't already said? That I haven't already said, I'm just grateful that I get to savor this moment in in ways of like, I'll never forget this. I will never forget this time in my life. I will never forget this time at home. And seeing families come together over TikTok. Sorry, kids. Your parents are on TikTok now. And it's not yours anymore. But um, seeing parents do stuff with their kids and have fun. Like there's, I was just thinking about how there's probably some people who are spending time with their kids more than they have in a while. Especially if they're teenagers or middle schoolers who kind of don't want to deal with you anymore. They want to live their own life. (laughs) I've been thinking how special this is. So I'm grateful that families get to spend time together. My mom's been with me, so we've been having some good laughs Um, or just being on different sides of my apartment, and that's been fine too. So um, I I think this is special in a lot of ways, and and we won't forget this. So, yeah. Yeah. I think I'm grateful if I had to pick one thing something I haven't already said is just and this could be also a benefit of being single and at home is just I feel like my time with the Lord like I'm not in a rush I don't have anywhere else to be and so like being able to like you know read my Lent devotional then read a psalm then read a chapter I'm like reading through Beth Moore's Chasing Vines and like read a chapter in that and like listen to worship music and meditate and then pray and then you know read another like read Second Timothy or whatever and so it just feels like I'm getting you know I don't know. That has been really uh, awesome is because I think normally like I'm just like rushing through it. Like I know that that time is essential. So I, I want to do it every day, but I am not I don't think I am sometimes as intentional as I'm being um, in the season just because I don't have to rush. And so that's been great. OK, so I want to talk about we've kind of talked through a lot of the things that we talked about in season one um but I would love to hear from you what your favorite episode of season one is and why and then maybe what are your hopes for season two I would say I still think my favorite episode I kind of have a tie between our singleness um and dating episode and pay me in equity but for sure I would say pay me in equity I think because just seeing 
black women's response to what they have been paid or had to endure their life, their career, just everything. I I feel like that episode was just so empowering and I just really enjoyed the feedback that we got. And so I just think that I want more women to see that. I want more women to talk about how they've been empowered in their life and in their career and what they are doing. And for women, especially black women, to be proud of what we have accomplished and continue to accomplish. It is incredible. And seeing women talk about their stories, asking for raises, all of that stuff, like, yes, 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 yes. It just really fired me up because I believe in black women um, and really all um, women of color. But I'm a black woman and I'm rooting for us. And so I really want to see more black women thriving in their lives and in their careers. And I used to feel like I had to shrink down or I couldn't be my full self in certain spaces where it was um, a maybe majority white culture space. And I was kind of like, oh, you know, like, well, I'm me and I don't know if I fit in with that. But man, like, sis, we are building our collective. We are building our people. We are building each other up. Like, and it just fires me up because there is a space for us. And I'm not fighting anybody for a seat at the table. I'm going to bring my little folding chair. I'm going to pull it up in places I want to pull it up. And I'm going to build new tables where new tables need to be built. And I felt like pay me inequity was just like a... Just like the beginning, like a nod to that sense of, hey, like you got this, we got this, and we can still own our spaces as professionals, and there's room for us. So that that was my favorite one, I would say. That's good. Um, yeah, I like the singleness episode just because I think some feedback we'd gotten from women about, and just black women and women who are not black, but other women of color and predominantly white spaces about having not felt seen or heard their experience. And so I loved that. Um, and then, but I, I think my personal favorite, I mean, obviously Beyonce, love her. I mean, pay me in equity. We got that line from Beyonce, um, getting to talk about her cultural impact and just um, what she means to black women. I think I, I like that conversation a lot, but Honestly, um, I was listening through our Miss of Black Women episode, which, um, Faith, that episode is so good. I, if you have not heard it, go back after you listen to this and listen to it, you know, multiple times. I love that conversation because I feel like it allowed us and me to get out so many things that I have always wanted to say about... Um, what it is to be a black woman. I think the beauty and the blessing, but then also to the burden of it um, mm-hmm. and say in a way that you're talking about like, you know, tables and we're building our own in a way that I felt like God released something for me. I don't, and I hope that the episode will be mm-hmm. that for some other women too, which is why we recorded it. And it's like, you don't have to be any of these things. You, 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 None of these labels of these worldly things are who you are as my daughter. And so, um, yeah, I like, I just love that conversation so much. And I hope that it is as freeing for y'all as it was for me, just because I just felt like, yeah, they were things that like needed to be said and like getting to say them. And I just felt like, okay, you can put this down now and like move on to like whatever it's out there for whoever, um, wants to know why your coworker is giving you the side eye or, you know, like why <laughs> she doesn't respond to your tears. <laughs> um, 
you yes. know, I just, I just felt like it was so good for, you know, so you can just say, listen to this episode and, you know, figure it out for yourself, you know? And so, um, that excites me. And then I think for season two, like, we have kind of started talking about the things that we're thinking about for season two. I'm just excited to expand the conversation and expand the table. Um, and yeah, like I think that black women contain multitudes. And so I'm excited to like explore that further. Like we've done the myths. We can put that down. Let's talk about who we actually are. Um, and what we're building and what we love and how God has blessed us and uniquely equipped us and gifted us and that God was intentional in, in creating you as a black woman or woman of color or even as a white woman. Like God gave you that for a reason. Um, and thinking about like if he was an intentional and about creating you, like how do you then take that intention um, and use it for his glory and, and the world's good. And so, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I think what I hope for season two is for us to continue to, like, have conversations that, I mean, people aren't always having. I think that's been the fun part about this podcast is that we're not just a podcast where it's, oh, we're just going to have these super deep talks. Like, we're friends talking, and there's times where we're going to get deep, but there's also times where we're going to have fun and we're laughing about Tiger King or, um, you know, <laughs> or I'm telling you to go shoot your shot. Like, whatever that looks like. And I think that um, this has been so much fun fun and that we're having fun creating this content for you all and so I just know like my hope for season two is to have more fun to talk about life to talk about culture to talk about faith because all of those things can and do coexist right and so I just think that really taking that stigma away that you kind of grew up with at church like well you can't do this and you can't do that and you can't do this and you love God and it's just like we can love God and talk about Tiger King and Beyonce and scripture and grief and lament and racism and you know what I mean like we can we can be all those things and I think that it's been fun to create something that holds space for all of that and I think um, season two, we'll probably have some fun guests on the podcast um, and just start some really cool things and fun conversations. So, and you guys engaged with us on our live and gave us a lot of great ideas too. So we appreciate that for hanging out with us on Instagram live. Yes. Thank you guys so much for just an amazing season one. And we can't wait to see, have you all back with us for season two. Yes. So make sure you go and review our podcast, listen to our previous episodes. Please, please, please go on Apple Podcasts and give us a review. Right now we're at 20, but we've been at 20 for a little while now. So I think we would love it if we, you know, got like 50 reviews or something. So definitely go review the podcast if you're enjoying it. Share it with your friends. Now it is time for Go Off Sis. Go off. This is the last one. So go off as much as you want to go off because this is it for now. So I'm going to go off. My mess is I'm going to talk about Zoom etiquette. I personally love seeing kids and dogs. I make my sister put her dog on on the FaceTime all the time. So like I I don't have an issue with that. What I do have an issue with (laughs) is if you are not talking, put your microphone on mute, please. I I don't want to hear all the background noise. Your husband, I I don't need to hear all that. Um, I think if you're like getting up and like walking around, okay, this is also a big pet peeve. (laughs) You're like getting up, walking around. You're like, um, I, 
you know, I'm sure everyone saw the video of the woman like who went to the bathroom with her coworkers. Like also you can turn your video off where you just listen. So like if you're not going to be like looking at the screen and engage, it actually is distracting to other people when you're like walking around in your living room and like talking to other people while like, you know, especially for like I would say um, Zoom etiquette is maybe for more formal conversations. So if you're doing like online classes or like meetings and stuff, I just I would like there to be a base level. And I know that this is all new to us. So there's a grace period. But guys, we're going to be in this for another month. So the grace period is over. Please, please, please learn how to mute your conversation and like listen, but turn off your video if you're just going to be wiling. Um, in the background. Listen, this um, is then, so eight of you to say this be- the way that you just said it. I think this is hilarious because you said, guys, there is a grace period, but it's over now. Wait a minute. So when it's like, these two weeks or three weeks has been the grace period and it's finished. So guys, just so you know, the grace period is started and ended. So you have to make <laughs> sure that you know what you're doing and stop that. Wait, wait, wait. Before you say anything. People, whoever was coworkers with Jennifer, who was the lady who, <laughs> did you see that video? Who yes, was the who, lady yes. on Zoom who went to the bathroom with the camera on and everybody saw her take down her pants. If that was my coworker, you're dead to me. Okay? <laughs> I wouldn't do that, but if that, was, if, that, if that was my coworker who posted the video, you're dead to me. That's all I have to say. Yes. She yeah. was trending. Oh, gosh. She was trending. Hashtag poor Jennifer. Hashtag was, poor Jennifer. <laughs> yeah, I just want to know, because, I mean, I understand. Like, for some people, this is, like, a new technology. They've never had meetings over Zoom. Like, I had to teach my parents how to use it. So I understand. But I just feel like at this point, we've been in our homes too for some of us, we've been in our homes two, three weeks. You've had a couple meetings now. I just feel like, yeah, the grace period is over. I mean, I'm and and for my classmates, you're gonna start getting private messages. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're cutting up because I just I can't take it. It just it just makes it so hard when everyone is not on the same page. And I will also say this: I'm not like not trying to be like a and like anal attentive. But when other people, when you're not talking and you don't mute, everyone gets like weird feedback. In addition to hearing like your what's going on in your background, it just it makes it true. generally harder, harder to hear. So like I'm not trying to be a jerk about it. Like, but like we're all in you're, this together. So like you're not. I just thought it was funny. I just had to say it. It, just, it was just so funny to me. Listen, the Zoom meetings coming out. Did you see the one with the kid who cussed out his mom and then was like asking his professor a question? I was like, oh my gosh, everyone's mortified. So to Catherine's point. Even if you need to, like, get upset with somebody, mute yourself, say what you have to say, then unmute. But don't put the whole class through your personal yeah. life. Yeah, it's, especially those of you, like, yeah, no, that I, I didn't see that one, but I definitely saw one with the, um, the kid who was, like, his mom was, like, in the background, like, asking him a question every five minutes, um, which was kind of funny because she just didn't realize he was doing his classes online but um but yeah so mute is your friend um and turning off the video is your friend okay so my bless is going to be I'm going to say generally to there are lots of people doing this that are as to faith what faith said earlier who are just genuinely being self selfless and thinking about people that are uniquely vulnerable during this time um but I'm going to give a shout out specifically to two people or two groups of people um Terrence Lester at Love Beyond Walls um Basically, you know, with social distancing, we've been told to wash our hands, wash our hands, wash our hands. Well, the homeless don't have that same opportunity. Um, he has a nonprofit in, in Atlanta that is just generally works with homeless and people experiencing homelessness. Um, 
And he's created these really cool sinks that can be set up in public spaces for those experiencing homelessness to be able to wash their hands regularly. Um, and I just think this it's a great idea. Um, and it's great. It started in Atlanta. Um, but there's a local church here in Austin that is partnered with him called Hope Community Church that is pastored by um, Aaron and Michelle Reyes. And we're going to give Michelle a shout out later for something else. Um, but they're bringing it to Austin. And then they're also taking it to the border. And like folks who are like camped out and like waiting to, to apply for asylum and who are vulnerable as disease can spread quickly in those kind of pop-up migrant camps. Um, so yeah, I just want to shout out... Um, Terrence Lester and the Reyeses for thinking about the vulnerable and the marginalized and helping them in any way they can avoid um, the virus. Yes. And my um, something that I'm loving right now is the Asian American Christian Collaborative Statement that Michelle Reyes, Vivian Mabuni, and several other leaders have created. I know Kathy King, um, that people just who are really um, a big part of making this happen. There's several names that I'm missing, so I'm sorry I can't shout out everybody. But for the founders of the Asian American Christian Collaborative, thank you for your leadership and thank you for really making it a point to have these important conversations we um i think are in a time when asian americans right now are experiencing a lot of hate a lot of xenophobia a lot of racism and so we really need to make sure that we are standing up and just calling out and denouncing the um anti-asian racism that people are experiencing right now and so i'm just thankful for their leadership and everything that's going on right now to help really bring people together and to have these important conversations. So shout out to you all, sign the petition and we'll link it. Yes, we will link it. Please sign it and share. And it's great. It also includes like some practical things that you can do to support um, and our Asian American um, brothers and sisters during this time. So yes, please sign that. Yes. So um, the one thing I would say, ooh, the one thing I will say that is a mess right now, you know, there's a lot of things that's a mess. I'm not even going to like sit here and act like there isn't several different things that are a mess. Um, but I would say the fact that this virus has only heightened the fact that our healthcare system has so many holes in it. And I'm just hearing some just kind of sad stories, to be honest, about people who are struggling to get care right now um, and have health care needs. And so I just really am hoping that post this, we're able to um, get some reform for um, health care and also people who are um, working in health care, just shouting them out. Um, there's also a person that I know that's going to have to drive two hours just to try to get tested in Georgia. Um, and I just think that we we have to find ways to better serve people. And that's just kind of a mess right now. But also really grateful for our healthcare workers and people working really hard. And so there's a lot of heavy things happening. But my hope is, is that we will continue to press on and prevail and um, 
that the system would continue to hold up the best that it can so lives can be saved and um, people can continue to thrive. So prayers up for anybody who has coronavirus, who has family members who have coronavirus. We're praying for you and just for our healthcare system and uh, for people who need access to healthcare that some way, somehow, that they can find a way to get it um, because this is really a trying time for a lot of people. So yeah, I think that's, that's I one thing. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's one thing that needs to change out of this is I think, um, I yeah, it, this has exposed a lot of flaws in our government. Um, and this is not a political, like this is, I, well, it is a political statement. It is not a partisan statement because I think Republicans and Democrats have been in charge and been a part of watching the system crumble and have not done enough to address the problem. Um, but I would hope that as more of, of us who maybe have, historically been very privileged when it comes to health care and health insurance um, are now acutely aware of what our less privileged brothers and sisters deal with. The fact that like middle class people cannot get tested, um, young people cannot get tested. Um, yeah, that there would be some kind of collective action against healthcare, um, or not against healthcare, but like for healthcare reform. Yeah, yeah, because a lot of it's really in the money making and pharmaceutical companies, things like that. I mean, there's people I'm reading about who are on um, hydrochloroquine and um, just different medicine like that. I hope I don't know if I said that right, but um, but they can't get their medicine anymore. And some people who um, are being told that they can't, um, they won't be prescribed it anymore now other people need it more but they also have chronic illnesses and so just there's a lot of disparities going on and so just that um you know we would continue to pray for everyone people who already had chronic illness and needed care and then for people who are now sick with covid and need care and all the healthcare workers trying to make it happen but we need change and it doesn't really matter what party you're affiliated with it just we need change overall and i hope that this um can bring us together, like you're saying, Catherine, to to say the right things and to have the activism that we need to make this um, more equitable, just so you can get help um, and stay healthy. Yeah. Well, we've gone from we we've gone from deep to funny and light to deep again, and wow, what an episode! <laughs> yeah, guys, this is the end. Thank you. We have enjoyed it, and we will see you. Hopefully, we'll see you soon. We'll see you online. Um, we love you guys. Please stay safe. Continue to social distance. Wash your hands. And don't be racist. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs>